السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد ونصلی علی رسوله الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدری ویسر لي امری واحلل عقده من لسانی یفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما ان شاء الله today we will do abwab salatul jamaa and the last bab that we covered was about the imam shortening the prayer due to the crying of a child so if the imam when he begins the prayer he begins with the intention of you know prolonging the qiyam but then he hears a child crying because of that reason what should he do shorten the prayer why is a child performing the salah his mother is right and people are listening to him and anyone who hears the crying of a child will be disturbed Right, disturbed, not that his prayer is being affected, that also, but also everybody gets concerned and worried that why is the child crying. So in order to help people uh, retain their khushur in salah and to help the mother and to help the child, what is necessary that the imam should shorten the prayer. Now, remember that there is one difference that needs to be understood. One kind of a child is he who was perfectly fine when the mother started the prayer. Right? And then something happened. And the mother, and then the baby started crying. So when the imam will hear that, that the child is crying, and he's not crying just a little bit, but crying a lot, or crying again and again, after every few minutes, then what should the imam do? Shorten the prayer. But then, there is another child who was crying even before the salah started. Right? So that means, you know, he needed something, even before the salah started. So should the imam shorten the prayer because of him? he will give the benefit of the doubt that the mother is praying right and if she is praying then of course he will shorten the prayer but if you know like many times it happens that women are towards the back attending to their children and if it's not the women then you know it's the younger girls or whoever is with them attending to the children then in that case should the imam shorten the prayer like for example in ramadan tarawih prayer is going on okay and at the back there is going to be women and obviously there are going to be children also now if the imam hears the crying of the children, and because of that he begins to shorten the prayer, then what will happen? People will never be able to finish their taraweeh prayers. Right? So in that case, he will have to lengthen the prayer, just because that is what the people came to do. And the mother, she should understand at this point, and either she will break her prayer, or she will um, decide not to pray the next unit, the next set of prayers, and as a result, the child will also be attended to and the congregation will not be affected. Now, there's another question. Can the mother break her prayer? Meaning, if she sees, if she hears that her child is crying continuously, can she break the prayer? She can. Exactly. It depends. If, uh, you know, with a movement or two, she's able to comfort the child, then she doesn't need to break the prayer. But if, let's say, the child is repeatedly crying because he got injured or something like that. So in that case, what can she do? The thing is that if she has to take a step or two away to hold the baby, to comfort the baby, she can do that. But if she has to, let's say she breaks the prayer, she holds the child and the child need, wants to be nursed. Or the child needs to be changed. Or the child needs to be taken out of that place in order to be comforted. Now she can't be away for a good 5-10 minutes and then come back and join the prayer. And in that process she's been walking, she's been talking, she's been looking here and there. Then obviously her prayer has broken. 
completely. Alright? You see, if it's a step or two, a little bit, then that's different. But if it's a lot, then obviously the prayer has been broken. And then she can rejoin the Jama'ah. Right? That's fine. That's fine. Th- that, that What I understand is that's fine. But if you have to go outside the masjid and look for the child and ask people where the child is, then definitely the salah has been broken. Right? But if it's just the end of the row or something, then that's fine, inshallah. Alright. Bab ila salla thumma amma qawman. Ila salla. When a person performs his prayer, meaning behind an imam, and then summa amma qawman. Then he leads amma, meaning he becomes imam, he leads who? Qawman and other people. So a person performs salah behind an imam, and then he goes somewhere else and he leads other people in prayer. The first salah being his fard and the second salah being his nafl. So he performed his fard as ma'moom and he performed his nafl as imam. Is that permissible? حَدَّثَنَا سُلَيْمَانَ بْنُ حَرْبٍ وَأَبُ النُّعْمَانِ قَالَا حَدَّثَنَا حَمَّادُ بْنُ زَيْدٍ عَنْ أَيُوبَ عَنْ عَمْرِ بْنِ دِينَارٍ عَنْ جَابِلٍ قَالَ كَانَ مُعَاذٌ He said that Mu'adh رضي الله عنه يصلي مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم He used to perform the salah with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ثُمَّ يَأْتِي قَوْمَهُ Then he would go to his people فَيُصَلِّي بِهِمْ And then he would pray with them Meaning he would lead them in the salah And we learned earlier that what happened once He started reciting Surah Al-Baqarah and one of the people, he left the prayer, and the Prophet ﷺ got very upset with Mu'adh anhu. Now, there's two things over here. Firstly, is it permissible for a person to perform his salah two times? No. Fard is fard, and it will only be once. So now, if a person has performed his fard, he's performed his isha, but here comes another person and says, I missed my jama'ah, can you please pray with me? Can you please lead me? Then in that case, can he pray with them? Yes. But not with the intention of repeating his isha, but the intention of performing nafal. Okay. Now, there is another concern now. Is it permissible for the imam to pray nafal while those who are praying behind him are performing their fard? You understand the question? Imam is performing nafal and the people behind him are performing their fard. Is that permissible? There is a difference. I mean, there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. Some scholars didn't allow it. Okay? They said no. Why? Because they said that the state of the imam should be more complete than the state of the people. How is it possible that the imam is performing nafal and the people behind him are, behind him are praying their fard? So they said it is not permissible. Now, what about this hadith of Mu'adh radiallahu anhu? Isn't it so evident? He used to perform salah behind the Prophet ﷺ and then he used to go lead the people in prayer again. We cannot imagine that he would perform his salah two times. He would only perform it once. that Once behind the Prophet ﷺ and then secondly, what was that? Nafl. So they responded to this hadith by saying that the Prophet ﷺ was not aware of this incident. But this is incorrect. This is a false assumption. How is it possible that the Prophet ﷺ would not be aware of this? Sharia was being revealed. And if this was incorrect, the Prophet ﷺ would have been informed. And the fact is that the Prophet ﷺ did know. What's the evidence that he knew? Exactly. When Mu'adh ﷺ, he recited Surah Al-Baqarah in Salah, 
the Prophet ﷺ found out what was happening. Obviously, he must have noticed him in salah behind him, and then he is going and leading people elsewhere. And remember, the Prophet ﷺ was also upset with Mu'adh ﷺ. So the fact is that the Prophet ﷺ was fully aware that this was going on, and he did not stop him, nor did he tell him that he should not pray with him. No, he let him carry on. Okay? Now, remember that from this we learned that anything that happened at the time of the Prophet okay, any action that the companions performed, we will take that as a hujjah. Meaning, that is an evidence for us. Meaning, it is also permissible for us. We will take it as a proof. Now, for example, something is mentioned in the Qur'an. Is that an evidence? Yes. Something is mentioned clearly in the hadith. Is that an evidence? Yes. Now, an action that the companions performed at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, can we take that as evidence? Yes, we can. Why? Because if it was right, the Prophet ﷺ approved of it. Silent approval. And if it was wrong, then the Prophet ﷺ corrected them. Wahi was revealed concerning that issue and the people were corrected. Like for example, that incident where one of the companions, he was leading people in prayer while he was drunk. Hmm? And he made a mistake in his recitation. At that time, alcohol was not completely forbidden. This was early on in Medina. So what happened? Ayat were revealed that لا تقربوا الصلاة وأنتم سكارة. So you see, a mistake that was being made, it was corrected immediately. In the month of Ramadan, clear guidance was not given initially uh, with regards to uh, sleep and eating and uh, intimacy. So what happened? The companions, Alimallahu annakum takhtanuna anfusakum. They were doing khiyana with themselves, right? And what happened? The matter was clarified. So a mistake that was being made, what happened? It was clarified later on. So basically, initially the, the ruling was that if a person slept, okay, in the night time, then his next fast began. So if he woke up in the middle of the night, even before suhoor, he was not sure if he was supposed to, if he was allowed to eat and drink and have relations with his spouse or not. Such clear guidance was not given at that time. But the people just, they kept it as a secret. They were doing khiyana with themselves. They didn't go and confirm with the Prophet ﷺ if they were allowed to do that or not. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat, clarifying the matter. So likewise over here, we will understand that if Mu'adh was doing this, then it was permissible. Alright? And likewise we find out about another incident, which is that some of the companions, they used to do azl, meaning in their sexual intercourse, they wouldn't ejaculate inside their spouse, rather outside, as this was a means of a way of contraception. And the Prophet ﷺ did not stop that. Right? The Qur'an was being revealed at that time, so based on this, the scholars have allowed different means of contraception today as well, based on this evidence. Alright? So, Mu'adh if he performed salah in this manner, he was performing nafal and the people behind him were performing their fard, then is that permissible for us also? Yes, it is permissible. So, the rajih opinion, the preferred opinion is that it is permissible for the imam to lead while he is performing nafal and the people behind him are performing their Fad. So if, let's say in the month of Ramadan, a person goes in the masjid, salah, irsha is over, taraweeh has begun, he missed his irsha. Now the imam, he is performing his nafal. Can the ma'moom join with the niyyah of fad? Yes, he can. 
There is absolutely no problem with that. Now, remember that there, that this can take four forms. One is that everyone is performing nafil, the imam and the ma'mum. That's obviously permissible. Secondly, everyone is performing fard. The imam is performing fard, the people behind him are performing fard. That is also absolutely permissible. The third case is that imam is performing fard and the people behind him are performing nafil. That is also permissible. And the fourth is that the imam is performing nafil, but the people behind him are performing fard. That is also permissible. So all these four ways are permissible. Alright? You have the option. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You performed your salah, okay? Then you go somewhere, and the people over there are performing their fard in jama'ah. Now you say, okay, I have to wait for them. Salah is going on. I might as well join them. So when you join them, will you will you join them with the intention of performing fard again? No. Your fard is done. Now when you will join them, that will be what? Your nafl. No, your previous fard, you can't say, okay, I will make that into nafl. You can't do that. Okay, because the intention is before the action. Okay? Bab, man asma'a nasa takbir al-imam. Man asma'a, the one who makes to hear, an-nasa, the people. What does he make the people hear? Takbir al-imam, the takbir of the imam. Who is this person? He's called the mukabbir or the muballigh. What's his job? That when the imam says Allahu Akbar, or he says Samirullahu liman hamida, then his job is to repeat those statements. Why? So that the people can hear what the imam said. So he is called mukabbir, the one who does takbir, or muballigh, the one who is conveying the takbir of the imam. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا عبد الله بن داود قال حدثنا الأعمش عن إبراهيم عن الأسود عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت لما مرض النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مرضه الذي مات فيه أتاه بلال يؤذنه بالصلاة فقال مروا أبا بكر فليصلي قلت إن أبا بكر رجل أسيف We have read this hadith multiple times before so I'm not going to translate it here إن يقم مقامك يبكي فلا يقدر على القراءة قال مروء أبا بكر فليصلي فقلت مثله فقال في الثلاثة أو الرابعة إن كنا صواحب يوسف مروء أبا بكر فليصلي فصلى وخرج نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يهادى بين رجلين كأني أنظر إليه يخط برجليه الأرض فلما رآه أبو بكر ذهب يتأخر فأشار إليه أن صلي فتأخر أبو بكر رضي الله عنه وقعد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so in this hadith, what do we see? That when the Prophet ﷺ, he came out, because he was unwell, he sat down and he was leading the people in prayer. And Abu Bakr ﷺ, he stood next to him. And what was he doing? Basically repeating the takbir of the Prophet ﷺ. Why? So that people could hear him. Now why was there a need of repeating the takbir? Because remember the Prophet ﷺ was unwell. If he had to come to the masjid while taking the support of two men, how was it possible for him to raise his voice? So his voice was darif because he was unwell. And as a result, the people in the back rows would not have been able to hear him. So this is the reason why he would say takbir. Abu Bakr would repeat the takbir and the people would follow Abu Bakr. And this is how it should be. Whenever there is a mukabbir in the middle, even though you hear the imam, 
you will not follow the imam until after the takbir of the mukabbir. You understand? Because imam, then mukabbir, then ma'mum. But if it's like the imam, he says takbir, and there are some people who can hear him, they are moving behind him, while the mukabbir is still saying the takbir. It doesn't seem like a united congregation. That unity is missing. So what is the procedure? First the imam, then mukabbir, and then the rest of the people. Also this hadith shows to us that that saying the takbir out loud is wajib. In the sense that when a person is leading others in prayer as the imam, then he must raise his voice when he's saying the takbir. Why? Because the people have to follow him. And how can they follow him without hearing the takbir? Right? So if he is capable of raising his voice, he must do that. And if there is a reason because of which he is not able to raise his voice in the takbir, then what should be done? A mukabbir or a muballigh should be appointed. Alright? Now, this also clarifies to us that the purpose of the mukabbir or the muballigh is to uh, basically convey the takbir of the imam to the people. Does this mean that in every salah it is necessary to have mukabbir? No. It is only when the imam's voice will not reach the people. Okay? So this means that if there is a microphone that is being used, alright, because of which everyone will be able to hear the imam, then in that case appointing the mukabbir, is it necessary? It's not necessary at all. Is it sunnah? Not at all. In fact, it will be khilafu sunnah. This will be contradicting the sunnah, opposing the sunnah. Because the Prophet ﷺ did not always have a mukabbir. It was only in such situations where his voice was not able to reach the people behind him. Now, what about places like the Haram? Over there also you have the microphones. But we discussed this earlier, that it's a large congregation, very large congregation. And it's possible that because of the noise of the people, you may miss out the imam's takbir. So in that case, the takbir of the mukabbir, it is helpful, given that it's a large place with a large congregation. Yeah, I mean, technically it's in a mixed congregation, it's the men who should be doing it. But if it's a completely different section, let's say women's section is upstairs in a separate room and there's a glass window, all right, and the women can see, you know, the first row can see what's going on. Let's say the electricity goes off or something. Now the women have no idea what's going on, especially those in the second, third row. So in this case, one of the women standing in the front row who can see what's going on, she can do that so that people can hear. Bab arrajulu yatamu bil imami wa yatamu nasu bil ma'mum. Arrajulu a man yatamu bil imam. He follows the imam. Wa yatamu nas and the people follow who bil ma'mum the ma'mum. Who is the ma'mum? The one who is following the imam. What does it mean? Imam is leading. There is a person behind him who is following him. And the people who are behind the second person, they are following who? The second person. The ma'mum. You see, one is the mukabbir, the muballigh. And here is a person who is being followed. Because there is two ways of following. One is in words and the other is in actions. وَيُذْكَرُوا عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ اِئْتَمُّوا بِي وَلْيَأْتَمَّ بِكُمْ مَنْ بَعْدَكُمْ That you should follow me and those who are after you should follow you. What does it mean by مَنْ بَعْدَكُمْ 
مَنْ وَرَاءَكُمْ Those who are behind you. So what does it mean? That each row is to follow who? The row that is in front. You understand? This is obviously in the case where the imam can barely be heard and the muballigh also cannot really be heard or there is a confusion. So in this case, what will happen? Each row is going to follow the one in front of it. حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا أبو معاوية عن الأعمش عن إبراهيم عن الأسود عن عائشة قالت لما ثقل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم became heavily ill جاء بلال يؤذنه بالصلاة بلال ضلوا عنه came in order to take his permission for his salah فقال مروا أبا بكر أن يصلي بالناس we have read this hadith earlier so again I'm just going to read the Arabic فقلت يا رسول الله إن أبا بكر رجل أسيف وإنه متى ما يقوم مقامك لا يسمع الناس فلو أموت عمر فقال مروا أبا بكر يصلي بالناس فقلت لحفصة عشر ضلوع عنها saying this to حفصة قولي له إن أبا بكر رجل أسيف وإنه متى يقوم مقامك لا يسمع الناس فلو أموت عمر قال إن كنا لأنتن صواحب يوسف مروا أبا بكر أن يصلي بالناس فلما دخل في الصلاة وجد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في نفسه خفة فقام يهادى بين رجلين ورجلاه يخطان في الأرض حتى دخل المسجد فلما سمع أبو بكر حسه ذهب أبو بكر يتأخر فأومأ إليه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فجاء رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى جلس عن يسار أبي بكر فكان أبو بكر يصلي قائما وكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي قاعدا يقتدي أبو بكر بصلاة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والناس مقتدون بصلاة أبي بكر رضي الله عنه This last statement This is of relevance to us That Abu Bakr would follow the salah of the Prophet and the people would follow the salah of Abu Bakr so a person follows the imam and the rest of the people are following him. But remember over here that the muballigh or the mukabbir, right? Or the person right behind the imam, he doesn't become the imam. He doesn't become the second imam. Imam is who? Only one person. Alright? And the one behind him is who? You can say he's just like an amplifier. Okay? A voice amplifier. He's just someone to convey the action, the words of the imam to the rest of the people so that they can follow him properly. Bab, هَلْ يَأْخُذُ الْإِمَامُ إِذَا شَكَّ بِقَوْلِ النَّاسِ هَلْ يَأْخُذُ الْإِمَامُ Is the imam required to take, meaning accept, إِذَا شَكَّ When he's in doubt, بِقَوْلِ النَّاسِ The word of people. Meaning, if the people are telling the imam something, that you are making a mistake here. This is supposed to be second rakah, or this is supposed to be the fourth rakah. You know, they're trying to get a message across to him. They're saying subhanAllah, trying to get his attention. They're correcting him. But he shakka. He is in doubt. He's like, no, I'm not making this mistake. Why are you telling me? Now what should he do? Should he listen to the people? Or should he continue? What is he supposed to do? The response is that he has to listen to the people. Okay? He has to listen to the people. He has to do what they're telling him. Because he is one person and there are many. He could make a mistake. Right? And the rest of the people, I mean there is quite a few of them. 
حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة عن مالك بن أنس عن أيوب بن أبي تميمة السختاني عن محمد بن سيرين عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that one day the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم انصرف من اثنتين he finished the prayer after two he ended the prayer after two meaning after two rakah he led the people in two rakah and then he ended the prayer فقال له ذو اليدين ذو اليدين رضي الله عنه this was his name he said أقصرت الصلاة has the salah been shortened أم نسيت يا رسول الله Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Or did you forget O Messenger of Allah What happened فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said أَصَدَقَ ذُو الْيَدَيْنِ He asked the rest of the people that is ذُو الْيَدَيْنِ truthful meaning has he spoken the truth Did I actually make that mistake فَقَالَ النَّاسُ نَعْمْ So the people said yes you did perform only two raka'ah فَقَامُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّ other two rakah that he had left out, thumma sallama. Then he said the salam. Thumma kabbara fasajda mitla sujudihi aw atwal. And then he did takbir and uh, did sajda the same as his previous sajda or a little longer. Meaning the sajda sahu. Now, what do we see over here? Many things. First of all, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he, when he was asked by Dhul Yadain, he didn't just accept. Hmm? What did he do? He confirmed. From who? The rest of the people. So does this mean that the imam must also do this? He must seek confirmation before accepting the correction of of one individual? Not in every situation. This will only be in the situation where the imam is sure that he did not make a mistake. And the other person is also determined that no, you did make a mistake. Then you consult a third party. That what happened? You understand? So for example, the imam is leading the people in prayer. He's reciting. And a person behind him corrects him. Now the imam says, he's very, very sure. He read it correctly. But then what happens? Another person, he says, subhanallah. Or he didn't hear subhanallah from one person, but he heard three or four subhanallah. Okay. Now there's three or four people telling him that he's made a mistake. In that case, what is he going to do? He has to listen. He has to listen. He will recite it the way he is being corrected. Okay, he will correct himself over there. You understand? Now this can happen during the salah and can also happen after the salah. During the salah, like the example I gave you. And after the salah, like it happened over here. That the Prophet ﷺ finished the prayer, two rakah, the Dhul Yadain is asking him, there is even a bit of back and forth, and then the Prophet ﷺ accepted what the people were telling him. So is it clear? The Imam can hear. He heard at least three or four voices saying, Subhanallah. Okay? He knows he made a mistake. Or for example, someone says, Subhanallah, he stops, and then he's thinking, what's going on? I didn't make that mistake. And while he's still thinking, another person says, Subhanallah. Alright, so in that case, he, he got the confirmation, now he has to accept. So what do we understand when the imam is corrected? If he's also doubtful about himself that he might have made a mistake, what should he do? Accept what he's being told. But if he's sure he didn't make a mistake, then he should 
seek confirmation or he should wait for the confirmation. And when he gets the confirmation that he did make a mistake, then he will again accept. Now, one more question is, قَوْلِ nas. You see over here, هَلْ يَأْخُذُ الْإِمَامُ إِذَا شَكَّ بِقَوْلِ nas. How many people are nas? Is it one person? Is it two people? More? How many? Two or more? Okay. But even if it's one person, okay, even if it's one person correcting the imam, then he will accept. He has to accept. Okay? Not just two or three, but even one person. And remember that the reason why the Prophet ﷺ asked the rest of the people was not because he was not accepting Dhul Yadain, but because he was not sure. He was firm about the fact that he didn't make a mistake. He was doubting Dhul Yadain. So this is the reason why he asked the rest of the people. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن سعد بن إبراهيم عن أبي سلمة عن أبي هريرة قال صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الظهر ركعتين. At one occasion the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed ظهر two rak'ah. فقيل so it was said صليت ركعتين you have performed two rak'ah. فصلى ركعتين so then he performed two more rak'ah ثم سلم ثم سجد سجدتين and then he said the salam and then did two sajdas meaning سجد سهو. Now over here you see the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he accepted. Without seeking any confirmation from anyone. In the first incidence, what happened? He asked the rest of the people, is Zulyadain being truthful? And over here we see nothing like that. He just accepted. So it shows that even if one person corrects us, we will accept it. And if we are sure we didn't make a mistake, in that case, seek confirmation. Now, remember that a person may be corrected or he may realize his mistake through two ways. Through the qawl of people or through the action of people. And both are valid. Qawl of people, it's clear. Like for example, uh, the imam is making a mistake in the recitation and he is corrected by the word subhanallah or someone, he recites the ayah correctly. A person is performing the salah and the one who is not praying, just watching him, he says, yeah, this is your second rakah. Okay? Or, you know, he's getting up and he's like, no, no, this is your fourth rakah. Someone else tells him, qawl. Okay? So, he will accept it. Fail. Through action. Can he be corrected? Or can he seek the confirmation? Yes. How? Like for example, a person begins his salah. And there is another person who begins his salah at the same time. Now what happens? After the second rakah, he's not sure. Was this my first rakah or my second rakah? Okay? And it may happen with anybody. And it happens. Now he says, he looks at the person standing next to him, that he's getting up from sajda. He's standing up. I started the salah with him. He's praying two rakah, I'm praying two rakah. He's going into his second. So this has to be my first and I have to go to my second also. You understand? So is this permissible? It is permissible. Clear? Not clear. No, no, I'm not talking about imam over here. In general, in general, that where a person is uh, performing his salah, he feels he's making a mistake, now he wants to make sure, what does he do? He notices the other person standing next to him and he says, oh, he's standing up, so okay. Now, this can also happen behind the imam. How? In the women's section, where you cannot see the men. After the second rakah, when people are getting up. Now, one sister, she gets up and she thinks... It's the fourth rakah or the second rakah. So she doesn't sit for the shahud basically. She's planning to get up. But then she sees everybody sitting. 
So in that case, she has been corrected and she has to accept that correction and she has to sit down. Okay? So one may be corrected through qawl and also through fi'l. But the main thing over here is that as imam or as ma'mum, if you realize your mistake by the word of someone or by the action of someone, what is necessary? Accept it. Hal Yes, he should accept it. Before we move on to the next verb, one more thing. You see in the first instance what happened. That the Prophet ﷺ, he made a mistake in the salah. He ended the prayer. And then people spoke to him and he spoke to them. And then what happened? He completed the remaining two rakar. He didn't perform all four rakars. What did he do? Just the two. Even though there was conversation in the middle. And there must have been some kind of movement also. Right? So what does it show? Hmm? That if you talk after after ending the prayer, meaning you believe that you've completed your prayer, and you even spoke after that, but somebody tells you, no, you made a mistake, now you don't consider your prayer to be invalid. It's not invalid, even though you spoke. All you need to do is just complete it. And you end it with what? Sajda sahab. باب إذا بكى الإمام في الصلاة When the Imam cries in the prayer If the Imam is crying in the prayer Will that corrupt his prayer? Or will that corrupt the prayer of the people standing behind him? This was a matter of discussion And the scholars have given different opinions concerning this Some said that if the Imam cries in the salah Such crying that is loud Then his salah is invalid Why? Because if a person laughs a little bit, a little bit, not giggle, but like a smile and just, that does not invalidate the prayer. But if he laughs out loud, does that break the prayer? Yes. If a person talks out loud in salah, of course that will break the prayer. So they said, crying out loud is very similar to laughing out loud and talking. So in other words, if a person is wailing, such that his sobbing and his wailing can be heard by everybody, then that will nullify his prayer. Whether he's the imam or the ma'mum. But others said that, no. It will not nullify the prayer. Why? Because there are many evidences that show that it is permissible for a person to cry. And when a person is crying at times, it gets uncontrollable. And he is not able to control the, the sound. So, uh, so that will not invalidate the prayer. Now what about the resemblance between crying out loud and laughing out loud? Is there any difference between the two or are they very similar? They're similar with regards to sound, but they're completely different when it comes to salah. If a person is laughing in prayer, what does it show? Non-serious attitude. They have forgotten their prayer. They're very, very distracted from the prayer to the point that they're laughing out loud. But if a person is crying in salah, what is that a sign of? That he is immersed in the prayer. Right? So you cannot resemble the crying with the laughing or the crying with the talking. Kharru sujjadan and also yabkun. They cry. Right? So sajda is mentioned and along with that crying is mentioned in the Quran. So that shows that crying in salah is permissible, it will not invalidate the prayer, even if it is loud. وَقَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ شَدَّادٍ سَمِعْتُ He said, I heard نَشِيجَ عُمَرٍ The Nashij of Umar رضي الله عنه 
وَأَنَفِي آخِرِ الصُّفُوفِ And I was in the last row. I was in the آخر of a صفوف of the rows, at the end of the rows. And I heard him crying. I heard the نشيج of Umar رضي الله عنه. يَقْرَأُ While he was reciting, إِنَّمَا أَشْكُ بَثِّي وَحُزْنِ إِلَى اللَّهِ He was reciting this ayah from Surah Yusuf. He was the imam. Imagine, all the way in the front and he's crying. And the person all the way at the back can hear him crying. So what does that show? That Umar anhu wept in salah and his weeping was such that it was also loud that people could hear it. Now the question is, what is nashij? Nashij is ashaddul buka. To cry hard. Sobbing. And this crying is obviously with some kind of sound. Doesn't mean that a person is screaming. But naturally what will happen, there will be some kind of sound. It is also said that nashij is the sound okay, of crying. You know, like for example, when you hear children, when you hear babies crying, and when they cry, you know, that sound in the throat, sobbing, right? And when they're crying, yes, there's a sigh, and you can hear that cry coming out from from deep, right? So this is how he was crying, nashij or umar. حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثنا مالك بن أنس عن هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة أم المؤمنين أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال في مرضه مروا أبا بكر يصلي بالناس قالت عائشة قلت إن أبا بكر إذا قام في مقامك لم يسمع الناس من البكاء فمر عمر فليصلي فقال مروا أبا بكر فليصلي للناس قالت عائشة لحفصة قولي له إن أبا بكر إذا قام في مقامك لم يسمع الناس من البكاء فمر عمر فليصلي للناس ففعلت حفصة فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مه إن كنا لأنتن صواحب يوسف مر أبا بكر فليصلي للناس قالت حفصة لعائشة ما كنت لأصيب منك خيرا So we have read this hadith earlier as well but in this hadith what do we see that in the end of the Prophet Sallallahu life, when he was unwell, repeatedly he said, tell Abu Bakr to lead the people in prayer. Aisha radiallahu anha said, that if he will stand in your place, he will cry out a lot. And when he will cry, people won't be able to hear him. And if they cannot hear him, how can they pray behind him? So have Umar lead the people in prayer. So we see that Umar radiallahu anhu also used to cry. Hmm? But anyway, this happened many times, but the Prophet Sallallahu he did not accept that suggestion. So what do we see here? Aisha anha said, he is going to cry out loud, people won't be able to hear him. But the Prophet didn't see any problem with that. He didn't find any problem with the fact that the imam is crying and the people behind him are finding it difficult to hear him. You understand? So what does it show? That if the imam cries in salah so much so that the people are not able to hear him clearly are not able to sometimes make the words that he is reciting even that is okay exactly it, it helps with the khushur also and there are people who oppose it who say that the imam should not cry in the salah because it corrupts the prayer no it does not corrupt the prayer Umar anhu cried Abu Bakr anhu cried right and the Prophet did not see any problem with the crying of Abu Bakr anhu if he allowed it to the point that he appointed Abu Bakr as the Imam, then obviously it is permissible. But remember that there are two types of crying. 
two types of buka. One is mutakallaf, meaning fake, in the sense that a person is bringing it upon himself, forcing himself to cry. Out loud, fake cry. Right? And children are very good at doing this. And sometimes it happens that the imam is told, cry and make people cry. And deliberately lights will be turned off and that atmosphere will be made. Will be made so that the imam can cry loud and people can also cry out loud behind him. Now this is something that is not from the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ did not cry out deliberately, forcibly in order to make people cry. You don't have to make people cry. You should be concerned about your own prayer. Right? Exactly. The second type of crying is natural, which comes naturally, uncontrollably. And this is an evidence of riqqatul qalb, softness of the heart. And this is something that is also encouraged. But remember that the best way for us, the best example for us is that of the Prophet ﷺ. Did he cry in his salah? Yes, he did. But how? How would he cry? In hadith which is reported in Muslim Ahmad, Abu Dawood, and Nasa'i, I mean, there's many, many reports, and we learned that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would pray, and sometimes he would cry, the person, he would be able to hear his chest buzzing, like the buzzing of a cooking pot. You understand? Like, for example, if you are cooking some food on high heat, and you put a lid on it, right? these days with the loud exhaust and everything, all the noise around you, you don't really hear the sound of the pot. But you can say like the whistling of a kettle, Hmm? A kettle, when you turn it on, do you hear the water bubbling inside? Do you hear it? You do. Now, the Prophet ﷺ would cry, but it wouldn't be with the loud voice. He would sob even, but not loudly. You understand? And why why is it necessary that we follow this sunnah? Cry, but cry without making any noise. Why? Okay, in consideration for others, because others might get disturbed. Okay, why else? It's a personal action, so keep it as private as possible. Because if other people, obviously they're going to notice you crying. How is that going to affect your sincerity? Yes, that if the Prophet ﷺ would cry out loud and wail in his salah, then the people would think that we have to do the same thing as well, and they would exaggerate even more. Yes, and you see the Prophet ﷺ, when he would be uh, performing his night prayer, his wife would be sleeping. Now if he starts crying out loud at that time, obviously his wife is going to get disturbed. Yes, very true. Yes, yes. That otherwise also outside of salah, there is something that is hurting us and we become very emotional and we also cry. How do we cry? With noise? No. Children do that. Adults don't do that. Right? As adults, we should learn to uh, kind of control our emotions, but not to the point that we suppress them, control them, cry, weep, but not with, you know, while making a scene. A scene should not be made out of it. Inshallah, we will conclude over here today. Um, I'm sorry I was unwell, and I couldn't really sit for very long and prepare more. So that is all I had prepared for today. Uh, yes, go ahead. Mm-hmm. You see, okay, the mukabbir, uh, he doesn't have to be the person who's standing right behind the imam. Because if he's right behind the imam, 
it kind of defeats the purpose. Right? So he can be somewhere in the middle of the rows. Okay? But remember that uh, Abu Bakr anhu he was standing next to the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Because this was an exceptional situation where Abu Bakr anhu was leading the prayer. He was the Imam. The Prophet ﷺ came and joined the Salah. Abu Bakr, he moved back so that the Prophet ﷺ would become the Imam. Right? But the Prophet ﷺ said, no, carry on. But Abu Bakr anhu refused. He said, no way. I cannot be the Imam while you are praying. So then the Prophet ﷺ came and sat next to him. And remember that he came and sat to the left of Abu Bakr. Which meant that Abu Bakr was on his right side. <clears throat> which meant that the Prophet ﷺ came as Imam. And Abu Bakr was next to him because the Prophet ﷺ was sitting and praying. Okay? Abu Bakr was standing and praying. With his movements, then the people followed him basically. Because you see, if a person is sitting and praying, can you always tell if they're going into their rukur and getting up? You can't tell. So the people who were behind the Prophet ﷺ, would they be able to tell if he was going into rukur or not? They wouldn't be able to tell. Abu Bakr next to the Prophet ﷺ, he would be able to see that clearly. So this is why it was necessary to have Abu Bakr standing next to the Prophet ﷺ. Okay? So... The people followed Abu Bakr in words and in actions. And Abu Bakr followed who? The Prophet ﷺ. Both are correct. Yes. Sajda Sahu can be before the salam and also after. Both are correct. Okay. Sajda Sahu is when a person makes a mistake in the salah and then he realizes it, he corrects his salah. So a mistake was made. So in that case, he has to perform two sajda at the end of the salah. Right? Either before saying the salam or right after. Do sajda. And what does that do basically? It compensates. Okay? Like for example, in a hadith we learned that if ever a person is confused with regards to the number of rakat, he's not sure whether he has performed three or four, shaitan is putting that waswasa in his heart, then what should he do? He should perform an, an extra rakat. If it was three that he performed, now with this extra, the number will be complete. If he had performed four already, then this extra rakah with the sajda sahab will, you know, make the salah correct. For certain actions, if a person misses them, if a person makes a mistake concerning them, then sajda sahab alone is not sufficient. He has to perform that entire rakah. So for example, if he misses the rukur completely, if he misses surah al-fatiha completely, then his rakah is not valid. So in addition to sajda sahu, he also has to perform the rakah. But there are some other actions for which sajda sahu is not required, other parts of salah. So for example, you are reciting, okay, and instead of reciting minimum three ayat, you recite two ayat. And later on you realize, now should you be performing sajda sahu at the end? No, you don't need to. Likewise, you went into rukur, and instead of saying subhana rabbi al-azim three times, you said it only once. It was a mistake. Do you have to do sajda sahab for that? No, these are minor. They don't make the salah deficient. Okay? It's not such a deficiency for which you have to repeat a rakar or you have to do sajda sahab. Yeah. There's different kinds of arkan, right? Any other question that you may have? Anything you'd like to add? Yes. Sure. I mean, remember that nafal prayer, right? 
like for example if a person has missed many prayers in their lifetime and they don't even know how many so what's the solution to that remember each salah and then try to make up it's not going to be possible should you be concerned about the prayers that you have to perform now or the prayers that you've missed before right so in that case what should a person do he should just increase in his nafil prayers and inshallah those nafil prayers will add to that will compensate for that inshallah so when you join in as that just join as nafil you don't have to say it's for that okay inshallah we'll conclude here subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh